0: Hi, everyone. My name is Marjorie McPike. I am the the host of the CPA Lady podcast. I am located in Southern California. I am a CPA practicing um, public public accounting for small businesses, helping them with their accounting, taxes, um, tax planning, tax strategies, and of course, helping them to understand and pass on generational wealth. So today on the podcast, we have Jermaine Guillaume, Um, She is out of New York, and she goes by the Visionary Accountant on Instagram. So, Jermaine, can you just um, introduce yourself, kind of tell us a little bit about your
1: background? Yeah, so as mentioned, my name is Jermaine Guillaume. I am the CEO of Visionary Accounting Group. We specifically work with nonprofit organizations. We help them to migrate to cloud accounting and streamline their day-to-day financial operations. Um, I got into the nonprofit space a couple of years ago, really random. I was on maternity leave, um, and a family friend knew an organization that had just lost their CFO and their controller, and so they were looking for some interim financial leadership. I stepped in, and the rest was history. Prior to that, I spent uh, most of my time actually in the audit space. So auditing for um, public accounting, then I went internal into the banking industry. Um, and spent some time doing like trust audits, compliance, anti money laundering work. And so, really interesting background, but that ultimately led me to running my own boutique firm. So, here I am. Awesome. And you focus primarily on nonprofits. Yes, I do. So, initially, I started, you know, kind of typically like everyone, kind of like working with whoever needed assistance, but after I took that interim controller role, it just really, I felt very fulfilled and deeply touched working with an organization who was supporting and doing great work in the community and also being able to see the inner workings of their fiscal function and how much help they needed. I'm like, I know that there are other organizations that need the same help. Nonprofits tend to be cash trapped. So sometimes building out this loan accounting department is just not within their budget. And so we seek to provide the gap between making sure that they have access to um, you know, the strong financial information that they need but at a more affordable cost, more affordable price, right? That's good because a lot of um, nonprofits, like you said, they are cash strapped. So, um, did
0: you did you find that there were a lot of nonprofits that were starting up in 2020?
1: In 2020, um, I wouldn't say starting up. But the the funny thing is that um, I think people don't realize starting nonprofits, in my opinion at least, is very difficult compared to starting like a business, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't say that i found that there were a lot more starting up in 2020. What I will say is that the organizations that did exist found themselves really, deter- really doubling down on whether they were truly committed to their mission, their impact mm-hmm. and what managing their organization really looks like during and post pandemic.
0: Okay, okay.
1: That's good. That's good.
0: So what do you find, um, because we're all about accounting and and systems, and what do you find when you're working with these clients? You know, do you you find their books to be in order? Do you find them to, of course, they're coming to you because they need assistance, but...
1: I find that nonprofits tend to work with like what I like to call like legacy systems and processes. Mm -hmm. And so um, especially for the ones that have been around for years and years. And so a lot of times it's a lot of doing what we've been doing just because we've always done it. And so, I mean, of course it's 2021, right? So technology has come a really long way. And so what I find is that um, things are very manual and paper-based and there could be a lot of improvement to their actual accounting process to make it more efficient, save them money, right? Because other thing is there is too is um, I think that they could actually, a lot of the organizations who probably think that they're so broken and they need all of this additional help, If they implemented the right systems, implemented better tech solutions, they may not need that full-blown team that they thinking they're needing because things are so like manual and paper-based. And so if you follow me on social, you know, I beat this drum all the time where I'm like, get over to the cloud, you know, implement tech solutions, become more tech forward. Because honestly, that's also the way the world is moving, if not already, especially since things have kind of, you know, turned upside down via the pandemic. Right, the new normal, right? So yep, what, what exactly of,
0: <laughs> you, you talk about cloud and tech solutions. So what type of, of systems do you recommend for your clients to 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 migrate to? And I and I ask that because a lot of times the systems are the same whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit, but there mm-hmm. are going to be some tweaks in, you know, your chart of accounts and your reporting and things like Absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely. Oh, and, and, and again, just piggybacking off what you said, so this would be, you know, beneficial to small businesses too, because I am an advocate of getting off of the spreadsheet, like tracking things manually just leaves you open to a lot of error. Um, and usually when you're tracking things manually, you're not keeping up with it. And so at the very least, I recommend that my clients get on a cloud-based accounting tool. Um, the size of the organizations I work with you usually range from anywhere They're managing budgets anywhere from about like 300k to 3 million, and so QuickBooks Online works for them. Mm -hmm. But there are other accounting solutions out there that have cloud-based versions, Mm -hmm. and so at the very least, I suggest getting over and managing your accounting on the cloud. Um, But then we also go through we also go through building what I like to call their tech stack. So depending on, you know, how they're managing um, donors. So is there a tool that integrates with QuickBooks Online? Bill Pay, we're looking at bill.com, mm-hmm. right? Is there ways? So just, um, you know, depending on the nature of the organization, do they manage a lot of expenses? Are there a lot of different programs that they're managing? So then maybe we need to look at an expense management tool that integrates with QuickBooks. But we're all about creating an ecosystem for them, essentially, that like pretty much operates as their back office, but as best we can, making sure that these tools talk to each other, so it makes it easier for them, so they're not kind of like managing a bunch of different things that are all over the place and separate, but kind of integrating one um, ecosystem that they can follow. So that's why we say a streamlined process, so making sure that whatever tech we implement actually talks to each other is streamlined and really makes sense for their organization. I'm definitely not into just implementing things like just because, just because, right. Right. Okay. I, I like that because you find a lot of, a lot of, you know, the new normal
0: is, <clears throat> excuse me, cloud-based, um, automations, you know, automations are huge. <laughs> it's like, how mm-hmm. can we automate this so that we don't have to take the extra
1: step? So I like that you integrate a lot of that. Um, yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with automation, though, because at least in my industry, um, in the nonprofit space, yes, you can automate, but there is a lot of, um, I would say there there um, is a lot of strategic planning and advising that needs to happen that you cannot automate. So while we may be able to automate some tasks and things, I think we have to get away from thinking that this automation is going to completely serve as an all in one tool to like manage this function, right? There still has to be someone who's setting the plan, implementing internal controls, making sure they're being followed, right? And just making sure also that you know, who's having discussions around the financial health of the organization and making sure, um, you know, maintaining grant compliance and things like that. There are just certain things that a tool can't do for you. That's why I said where you can, you want to use it to support your process, but mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be your entire process. Your entire process, right. I,
0: I like that. I know someone mentioned that even with um, QuickBooks Online, it's like how they you can automatically import your transactions, right, or set up rules. It's like, but you don't want to always just tell it to automatically do that because there may be something that's a little bit different that you at least need to review it. So
1: that's about to say, or you don't want to just have it going in and then you're never looking at it, right? So yes, you use it to move things quicker, but then you absolutely should be reviewing to make sure you know it's correct, right? And then correct, right. you know, if there's a month where you have a new transaction, it's not gonna know what to do. So you have to make sure that you are going in and you're still doing that review. Okay. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so you mentioned grants
0: because I know that um, on 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 Instagram, everybody's on social media, but there's a lot of information about how to apply for grants, how to get grants. It's like so so. Can you just kind of give some background on on not so much the grant, but maybe not the grant granting or requesting process, but maybe the reporting, the compliance that you need to do, things that people need to think about if they're getting, you know, if they're
1: receiving grants. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because I think so many people focus on how can I get the money? And few people think about, okay, what happens after I get this money? money. So yeah. And so most of the organizations that I work with actually receive government grants. And so in my opinion, those have an added level of like scrutiny and compliance. And so if you are An organization or even a business that are wanting to contract with the government wanting to get these government grants you absolutely have to have a solid bookkeeping and accounting function. So from the nonprofit standpoint, a lot of these agencies actually will require um, periodic financial reports so whether like monthly or quarterly usually, but it really is having to be te- detailed about like how you spent the the funds that you were given and then providing support on um, those, those expenditures. And then also being able to make sure that you're explaining and going back and looking back as to how that compares to what the budget was that was set to whatever the requirements were um, dictated in the beginning of the grant Um the grant relationship, and then also just the, the, honestly, the accounting and bookkeeping around it. So a lot of these these grants will have what's called like allowable versus unallowable expenses. So just because you spent money on a certain grant doesn't mean you can actually get reimbursed for it. And so it's really important to be very detailed and nuanced um, because I've experienced where we're invoicing for these grants, invoices are getting pushed back because we're including expenses that may not have been allowable. Mm-hmm. Or, or I've seen where organizations were invoicing for just all expenses that related to that program and got paid out. And then when a review was done on the back end from the, the grantor's auditor, that organization then had to pay back those funds. So wow. it's really important to do be very detailed in your reporting, especially because most organizations are managing multiple grants, right? So you want to make sure that you have a specific process to how you're managing grant compliance, but then also how you're managing each individual grant's spending. Wow,
0: that was good. (laughs) Because so many people don't think about that. It's just, hey, I can get this money and I can do this. I can get this money and I can do that but what do you need to do? And even the auditing,
1: you know, portion that you mentioned or the additional Mm -hmm. compliance, right? Yeah, because normally, yep. Because normally if you're taking government grants an audit is inevitable and it's not because you're doing something wrong that's just a part of their process. And so if you are not keeping good books, good records, you're not going to have a good audit, and then what ends up happening is that those grants won't be renewed and that means you miss out on funding and then it becomes becomes a trickle effect and so you just want to have um, you want to make sure that you have good habits around how you're managing your organization's or your business's finances so that when these things kind of come up, it's not like a fire drill. Okay. So let's talk about good habits <laughs> Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> good habits. What are some of those good habits that an organization or a small business should implement? I know we talked about the QuickBooks mm-hmm. and the system, but let, let's talk yes, about so-
1: habits. Yeah. So one, making sure at the beginning of the year, you're, you're, um, operating or running your business with an, um, annual budget, right? So giving some thought as to what you're expecting to bring in, what you're expecting to send, and then making sure that you're reviewing that at least monthly. I find sometimes people set budgets and then they never look at them again. Um, from a nonprofit standpoint, you absolutely need a budget. Like you shouldn't be operating, um, without one. Um, the second thing is implementing, a A closed process. So we close the books monthly. I'm hearing, and I I didn't know this was a thing, but I've been hearing often that people or organizations are closing annually and not monthly. And I think that that is a huge no no. So I am of the belief that you need to be doing a full review on your books every month, looking for outliers. Nonprofits are, especially because they're subject to, they're largely subject to fraud. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you're looking for anything that should not be right and also even as a business if something is going wrong and you see like you're out here spending money on facebook ads promoting a product no one's buying then maybe you need to can that product or maybe you need to you know, in that service. So it's important to make sure that you're implementing this monthly check-in on your finances so that you it can dictate your decisions, right? So if you're planning, you're making decisions, you're determining what to market and campaign, it should be based in data. And that data is going to be those numbers. And so by implementing that habit of at, at least monthly checking in on your finances, reconciling, closing the books, you can bet that you have a better handle, you know, on your, are, um, you know, on, on your finances. And so I think those are the top for me, those are the top two. And then when you're doing that review monthly, that's when you should be doing that budget to actual. So bring that budget back up and compare it to your actual so you can see what are the outliers? What's what's red flag? What red flags are coming up for you? Or is there a surplus? Like, you know, you might have an influx of cash that you weren't, you didn't even know, you know, and and so now what do you do? What do you do with that extra money? Do you build a reserve? Do you put it back into a marketing campaign that's really working? You're not going to know the answer to these things unless you're actually reviewing and then making decisions based on that data.
0: Very good. Very good. So, so it, it all kind of goes like, it's the same thing. It's the budget evaluating what happened and then making um, making adjustments. Same with like personal finance, right? It's all about the budget. So you just know what you have to work with. Right. Okay, so you, you mentioned something about a surplus. And I, I had a question because a lot of times people say nonprofit organization. So with a nonprofit organization, it's not, the goal of it is not to make a profit, right? So can you explain that part of it?
1: <laughs> yes, I am- Glad that you said that. So, the goal is not to make a profit, but that is not, that does not mean you cannot make a profit. I think there's a lot of misinformation, and nonprofit is a tax status. You want to make a profit because that means that you can then reinvest that income, that funding back into the organization. The difference between a nonprofit and a business is that if there's a profit in the business, that money can go to the owner, they can take a draw. In a nonprofit, there is no owner, right? So that money cannot go to a person per se. But the problem of so many organizations who are operating in a deficit, those are the ones that tend to be cash strapped. They tend to be scraping by and they tend to not be able to have even enough funding to have operating reserves because they're usually either making just enough or sometimes they're in a deficit. And so while the goal isn't to have all of this money left over, it's absolutely okay if you make a profit, because that just shows that you, usually it shows that you're, you're operating well, and now you have more money to make more impact, to maybe invest in more staff. Like, so you want, if you're operating a surplus, you want to start thinking about what can you do with those additional funds?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I know a lot of people just think oh well, I don't have to make a profit I can just kind of mm-hmm. you know spend
0: all the money which in some organizations is like that you know they kind of right. make sure that it's like all the budget, all what's been received has been has gone out, but I guess it's yes. important too, to to
1: distinguish between um, program and general expenses. Right. Absolutely. Because depending on just like we were talking about grants. So for some grants, you don't spend all the money. They might think you don't need all of that money. So the Mm -hmm. next year, the grant is smaller. So like in that case, it's like we need to spend all of these funds. Right. You know, so it's it's context. So making sure that when you're again. So like when you're having these planning and strategy meetings, differentiating between what kind of approach you need to take for maybe the different funding sources. Right. Somewhere you may want to max out somewhere you may not. Right. That's a good point.
0: Very good. Very good. Okay. So do you find, um, because the generational wealth piece of it. So do you find a lot of individuals leaving monies to nonprofit organizations that you work with?
1: Not so much, but that's because mainly the organizations I work with are, uh, government funded, but I know that organizations that tend to be, um, heavily funded by like individual donations, mm-hmm. um, those organizations I find tend to, because too, sometimes there's a lot more closer to the community. Those right. tend to be the organizations that may end up like in someone's will, you know, um, someone who has a really close connection to the organization or a deep, um, you know, if they connect to the mission, um, a lot of times it's usually because it's something that they experience personally. Then, yeah, I, I do see that they will then put that organization in their will. In their will, okay. And
0: and that's a good way for to pass on generational wealth. That's something that I always like to um, to bring up because you can leave you know a portion of your money to a charitable organization, or you can actually set up a trust that um, where you know say the proceeds of the trust. You know the income that the trust generates for a period of years, you can leave to a nonprofit organization, and the the trust gets a charitable contribution mm-hmm. deduction. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, tell me. Okay. So, I have so many questions. So, so, <laughs> so many questions. So, so tell me something that that's just. Um, one of your passions, what what are you really passionate about when it comes to nonprofits and the systems, but just, just a tip, a trick, you know, something that we can give our our, our listeners.
1: Well, as far as what I'm most passionate about really is the education piece, because I think that there is um, this notion that when people hear nonprofit, they automatically equate that with like scarcity, with the lack. And I want people to know that one, you can work for a nonprofit and make um, a decent living. I've worked um, as a controller, and I mean, I was making a decent salary. And so I know that they do pay, depending on the size, of course, and the operations. But I think there's this notion that if you want, to work for pennies, then you work for a nonprofit organization. And that just really is not, um, the case. And I had that mindset too, before I actually got into, into the space. So that's definitely one misconception that I want to, um, want to bust, but then also, um, Understanding that, because I see so so much of the conversation is around like fundraising and program management, but not understanding that having proper and strong financial management is the backbone for what it is that you do on the front end. And so I really want people to, to pay more attention and invest more in their financial infrastructure. And again, at the very least, making sure that you actually have a system for how you're managing and tracking your income. It's very it's important for everyone that's running an operation, but it's really important for nonprofits because you're heavily regulated. And if ever it is um, determined that you're mishandling, you can lose your certification. There's just a lot more um, implications. And so you want to, at the very least, you want to make sure that you are maintaining compliance. And so I get a lot of fuel, um, by, by doing a lot of talking, by educating. Um, I love video content. So if you follow me on social media, I go live all the time, but it's based off of questions that I'm asked, topics that I know are important. And now having worked with, I don't know, a number of organizations and seeing what their internal operations look like, mm-hmm. educating the masses on um, you know do's and don'ts, best practices and things that they need to implement in order to build a financially sound organization. Awesome,
0: awesome. Um, awesome. Okay. So, so someone asked me a question and a um, couple of questions. So, I'm just going to throw them out there regarding nonprofits. Okay. So, this, this person, <laughs> so they started a nonprofit and they were putting a lot of their personal money into the nonprofit, um, you know, trying to get it up and going. And their, their question was, how do I get to write that off on my taxes? So, I know the answer that I gave
1: them. I want to see what you're going to say. So technically that's not considered a charitable contribution or donation. I think um, people miss or confuse the fact that when they start an organization, so when you start a business, how you get those startup costs that you get to write off, it is not the same um, for a nonprofit organization. And that's why I always say, if you're starting an organization and you're unsure of what your funding plan is going to be, take a step back and ensure because you're gonna put a lot of money up front and you won't see a lot of that come back, right? At least as far as it relates to those initial investments. And so I would definitely challenge you to think about what your long-term plan is because unfortunately you don't get the same deduction on the nonprofit side that you would if you were starting a business and putting in all of those startup costs. So even if even if it's already
0: um, like, like established as a nonprofit, what do you so mean? Would, would so like like they're, they're starting the nonprofit or they started the nonprofit and so they're they're putting in money they're giving the nonprofit money or they're putting money into it, so it wouldn't be a matter of just. Um, recording the revenue on the nonprofit side and then them taking the deduction on their side, or is there where you have to wait until the nonprofit is actually fully because I, I know you have to wait until it's actually um, considered an exempt organization it's been accepted by the IRS. Right, but so all of the startup costs are just kind of like gone by the wayside for nonprofit.
1: I don't know if I would say gone by the by the wayside, but there isn't, as far as I I know, because again, I don't work with startups and I'm not a, a CPA. But <laughs> if, as far as I know, is those initial um, investments, especially if you're not um, certified, like you mentioned, then no, like it's really like you kind of just making. Considered like you making a donation to the organization, but you don't get to write that off. You don't get to write that off. Okay, interesting. Okay,
0: I have to. I have to dig into that one a little bit deeper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, the type of clients that you work with. You 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 mentioned, um, three hundred k to three million. Do you work with smaller? clients as well? Or clients with lower lower revenues, I should say.
1: So it really depends because what I find is that on the, um, I find that smaller organizations sometimes will um, think that they need this robust accounting and bookkeeping and they don't need it yet. And because nonprofits tend to be cash strapped, I am a firm believer in preserving. And so you want to, if you're going to invest. So for example, like the oh, my offers are for the most part retainers. And so that means this is an ongoing cost. And so the reason why I prefer to work with larger organizations is one, because they can afford it, but then also they need it. Some of the smaller organizations, they are not, their volume of transactions are much lower and they don't have robust operations to where they need someone independently managing that. Mm-hmm. So at that level, I would just suggest of course making sure that you have someone who is going to prepare you know a t- um a CPA who is going to prepare your 990 if you're above um the easy the 50k for right. um filing an easy mm-hmm. um but as far as ongoing bookkeeping and accounting um yeah i i, I definitely depends but i've seen, i think i've worked with organizations um, I think the smallest one had a budget of 250K, but even that organization, it's a very basic bookkeeping because the volume of transactions, again, was just super low.
0: Okay. Do you assist with audit prep as well, or do you kind of outsource that?
1: No, I do because audit has a special place <laughs> in my in my heart um, because I, Oops, I'm muted by accident. Um, I come from an audit background. I spent, the bulk of my corporate career was in audit, both public and private. And so I think that I bring something unique to the um, to the nonprofit space, having had that, um, that background. And mm-hmm. so I absolutely um, help with audit prep. Usually the organizations that we work with at the very least are required to get annual audits. But also if you're getting government funding, they can also come in and audit you. And that's usually the difference that is, that's usually ad hoc. So a lot of times you don't even know when they're going to come in. And so we um, are very, very big on keeping our, our clients audit ready. We like to say, Mm -hmm. so that if at any point someone came in, it isn't like a matter to kind of figure out how do we get things in order. Right, right.
0: Okay. And you can be an employee of your own nonprofit right i think i that. you can be like an employee of your own nonprofit so even
1: if it's oh if yeah, it's, yeah yeah yeah
0: cuz it's a totally separate I, entity
1: yes um officially though because i i find that organizations are doing this thing where they are like giving themselves like stipends or paying themselves as like contractors there is a very huge difference of course between being a contractor and an employee so if you're asking, can you be an employee of your organization? Yes. But that means that you are getting paid on payroll. <laughs> you are getting paid on payroll. So what's the difference with the stipend? Because I do know someone that has a nonprofit organization and they said that they're just kind of taking a stipend per month. So that's going to be very much dependent dependent on the state. What I find is that you have to be careful with taking a stipend because in some states, they still require you to account for the FICA. So certain state and local taxes. So you can take the stipend, but normally, you know, as people take stipend, they're they're technically taking it um, without taxes, right? So kind of just paying themselves a set amount. And so in some states though, it's actually required though, that you pay at least state and local taxes on that stipend. So you would need to um, be very clear on what your eight uh, your requirements are.
0: Have you had, um, so like a nonprofit organization kind of, generally a nonprofit organization, it's, it's for a reason, right? They have a mission where they're helping, you know, like the, the, the community or society or something like that, right? Um, I had someone that wanted to purchase property as a nonprofit, and then, well, and this is probably like a tax question too. So,
1: <laughs> so, well, so they are they asking if you can do that? Yeah, yeah. So you you can, but of course you want to check the specifics. But I, the the a lot of the organizations that I work with are actually in su- what's called like supportive services, and so some of them actually own the buildings. That um, these ho- that are uh, pretty much like housing. So um, homeless shelters, mm-hmm. um, housing that supports like individuals that individuals that are living like with HIV/AIDS. And so some of them they're either contracted with the the city, and this maybe the city owns them, but the nonprofit manages it. Manages it. Mm-hmm. But then I've worked with organizations also that have outright purchased the property. Uh, but again, it's owned by the the nonprofit, not the not the individual leader.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like the the idea of a nonprofit owning a biz, a building for that purpose of helping individuals.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's actually quite quite common. Um, when I got in the space, I realized there was a lot of organizations that were specifically doing supportive services, and that's all around affordable housing, um, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, like domestic violence shelters, homeless shelters. So all around individuals who might be suffering or dealing with different things and providing them with shelter. Okay.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So what other projects do you have going on besides, um, you know, your, your business, you're the CEO of your business, you're on
1: Instagram, going live, yes. educating the people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad you asked. Now, um, So, uh, so for the past three years, we've mainly been focused on that retainer work and clients who want to outsource their accounting to us. But in the last year, like a little bit before the pandemic, and then in heightened during the pandemic, we had begun to take on projects that were where we were working with nonprofits who had either bookkeepers or teams, but they they one, weren't prepared to go remote or work virtually, mm-hmm. like when we had, you know, our mm-hmm. quarantine stay at home orders, mm-hmm. or they were able to get themselves over, but they realized that they are really struggling to have a streamlined and, pro- and um, easy process. Well, I won't say easy, but like a process with ease as it relates to now managing like their accounting operations virtually. And mm-hmm. some of them, I think, recognize that there's benefits in staying remote. And so um, I'm actually in the middle of launching the alpha version of what we're calling the Do Good Accounting Program, where mm-hmm. we're teaching nonprofit organizations who have a current bookkeeper or accounting team how to manage their accounting operations virtually. So what does that look like migrating over to the cloud? What does it look like implementing security measures, internal control? So we focus less on like financial concepts and more around the systems and processes that they need to manage their financial operations virtually. And so um, I think a lot more organizations realize now um, how important it is, um, because even for those returning back to the office, certain things are just easier when you can access them via the internet. Um, and so, um, I'm really advocating for more nonprofits to take advantage of this option. And so, um, as such, we're now running a program that will teach them how to do that. And so, um, it's like my baby, I'm really excited about it. The first cohort (laughs) starts in, in July. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it'll be great because there are some organizations that don't want to outsource, but they recognize that they have gaps in their current process. And, um, They may not just want someone to come in and diagnose the problem. They want someone to come in, hold your hand and show you how you can actually implement the proper things. And Mm -hmm. then they go and manage it on their own.
0: Okay, okay. And I have to ask this question. Do, are are more of your clients, um, what percentage of your clients are African-American compared to other um, nationalities?
1: So all of my clients, all of the nonprofits I work with right now are minority led. Okay. Okay. Black. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Specifically>. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I will work with, of course, other organizations, but it, it does. I, I won't lie. I'm black. Right. And so, you know, it holds a special place in my heart to work with organizations that are black led because we are less funded. And so a lot of times we experience a lot more um, strain and stress as it relates to trying to keep a nonprofit up and running. And so I'm really huge on making sure we have our stuff in order so that when we go to apply for these grants or when we're looking for funding, we have the total package already prepared. And so, you know, honestly, I can call it if you deny us for something that doesn't really exist, if you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I love that, I love that. Because it's it's all about educating us
0: because we don't always have the information and a lot of things that I do, it's all, it's, it's all for that reason, you know, because, we need the information that's being passed around, passed around in other circles, right, mm-hmm. in order to allow us to have the seat at the table or to have the fair Absolutely. advantage, right?
1: Absolutely, especially because you know there was a lot of you know talk about you know organizations who are they're they're helping or they're they're within the Black community. But the boards are not diverse, right? The boards are made up of you know people that don't look like us. The and so it's like, how do you really, how can you really run and speak to the heart of the this mission of this organization if if you if you if you're not you know close to it or if right. you know if that board is not diverse, so you're sitting next to someone who understands what that plight looks like, you know? And so I find that the same way the murder of George Floyd called a lot of people to the carpet, it called a lot of people in the philanthropy space also to carpet. And it started to highlight how philanthropy can be very white.
0: Right, right, right. That is so awesome. Yes, we have to get the information to, to us right and help us because we do as a, as a people we have a very good work ethic you know <laughs> and we're very resilient and we per- persevere but a lot of times we don't have that other information in order to help us to go to the next level
1: right because sometimes you can work as hard as you want but if you don't have the connection you don't have the relationship it's like working hard but on that same hamster wheel on the same and not going wheel. anywhere and so you're right, you're absolutely right about that Wow, that is so cool. So
0: I do have some some friends, or uh, some clients. I I know a couple people that have started nonprofit organizations um, that may need some assistance getting their systems in place. Um, I kind of help, but sometimes you know, different <laughs> seasons take
1: on. <laughs> no, I, I listen. I, I totally get it. I know. Send them my way. You know, if I can. And again, like what I, what I like to do is if an organization is not in a position to, to work with us, or if we realize that it won't be a great fit, I'm all about though, making sure that that's why I said that we take a very education heavy approach here so that we can make sure at the very least you learn something here, you get some resources. So even if we're not your accountant, when you come to my little corner of the internet, you're absolutely going to leave knowing something new, learning something, you did it. And I'm one of those that I'm you know, I, I try to be in touch. So if you send me a DM, I'm going to answer. I'm going to respond, you know? And so I'm not too big to, for, for those types of, of things because I'm really big on us being educated in this in this space mm-hmm. and going after what is, you know, what is ours. Right, right, right. And then getting to the, the heart of
0: the issue. So the, the important things, the finances are important, you know, but we don't want anything to come and trip us up so that we can't do what the mission is of the organization.
1: Exactly. And it's like, you have to care about the mission and the money. You, you shouldn't, because I, what I find, I'm like, is like people are like, they're so focused on the mission, but I'm like, no money means you can't fund your programs, means you can't pay people. Cause right, that's another right. other thing, like, You need staff. You need people who are going to actually work, you know, and put forth these programs. And so, um, I want more people to stop thinking that when you're in the nonprofit space, money is like, you know, taboo. Like, you know, we don't, you know, like not talking about it. We want the funding because that. Right,
0: right, right. So the nonprofits get the funding. You know, people who contribute to it, if they're, you know, if if that's the type of organization it is, they get the charitable contribution deduction on their tax return.
1: Yes. So individual (laughs) contributors. um, And if you're, I think it's, if you're, if you um, donate more than 250, you should be getting like a donor acknowledgement letter from the organization. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not the tax CPA, but I, (laughs) I, I, um, I know that there's some, like some additional deduction now with the $300, but I think this is something that came up via the pandemic. And so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it stays, Mm -hmm. but now you get to claim it, whether or not you itemize. Right right so at least the 300 which is good which is good okay cool So
0: we talked about the cloud and i have to ask what what type what system do you recommend for storing files and i know you can't be um (laughs) you can't endorse anything but but like well i have not let me say
1: (laughs) so I, I've worked with three different tools. Um, Personally, the back end of our business, we use Google, um, we use Google Drive, but the business um, version, but um, Dropbox has a business because that's the other thing we want to not be mixing personal and business, right? right? So Dropbox has it where you can have a business account. And then there's also something called Smart Vault. which is also, yep, which is also document storage, password protected, encrypted. And so you're sharing files in a safe, um, safe way. Right. Okay.
0: Um, do you have like referral codes,
1: any, any special thing that we can give to our listeners? (laughs) I don't have... (laughs) I don't have a referral code, but I do have, and I mean, this may only be uh, helpful to nonprofit organizations, but I do have a free training um, that I can send you the link for, um, really talks about the basics of um, financial management. And so that may be um, helpful for your listeners, because again, um, there are a lot of similarities with how you should run a business in a nonprofit. I'm really big on us. um, You know, I tell my clients like, you're not a for-profit business, but there's a lot of things that we can take from the for-profit world as far as how we should be running. Training, um, running. And so really big on that. Okay. Awesome.
0: Yes. I would love the free training. Um, so okay. Can- so I will definitely send that over to- <laughs> Yeah. I have a couple, like I said, a couple clients that are nonprofits and I think I'm like three or four and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a part of an organization. I don't, um, it's called the Alliance of Black Women Accountants. And we have some um, nonprofit, you know, CPAs that are in there that may have clients that they can forward the information to. So as
1: long as you don't mind me forwarding it out, um, I would, I would. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> Okay. Nope. I will absolutely uh, share. Are you also a part of NABA or have you been a part of NABA? I am not a part of NABA. And that's primarily because
0: um, I'm like an hour and a half from Los Angeles, which is where the nearest chapter was. So,
1: you know, oh, it was okay, okay, in the okay. evening
0: time. So that's that part of that is the reason why we formed. So I'm a founding member of the Alliance of Black Women Accountants. And oh, nice. OK, it, so that's part gotcha. of reasons okay. why we formed our organizations, because we're all here. And to get to there, you know, to L.A., it's kind of challenging. So
1: we um, we started in 20... nope, makes perfect, perfect. Right.
0: <laughs> so we started in 2015. We're up to like 50 members now. Um, and we're just looking forward to doing a lot of great things. Um, an- another organization that I'm working on, I need to send in my mm-hmm. membership application is the National Society of Black CPAs. So that's a new organization that's nationwide oh, I think I can follow them on instagram yes they' are doing great things i'm I'm always referring them you know CPAs or CPA candidates or someone that's wanting to find out about being a CPA. I'm always referring them to their organization because they're they mm-hmm. just have this major push right now to get um, blacks licensed as a cPA so you know, they have the funding, I Love it, really good funding. So it's like, let's take advantage of it. You know, let's not try to, you know, we're here to support Absolutely. you, but they have the funding, Absolutely. right? <laughs> so Absolutely. But see, that's the power of a network, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we all work together to get people to the next level. So I love it. I love it. Love it. Okay. So yes, please send me the free training. I will definitely put it out there. Um, I'm big on, on networking and sharing information. I have another friend that's, um, that she does accounting for, for nonprofit organizations. So I'll definitely send it to her. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe you guys can connect. She has another podcast. So yeah, it's it's just good things. I'm happy that we had this chance to sit down and talk. Um, I appreciate the information that we can
1: share. Great conversation. I. hmm. Now i say great conversation. I, I mean, I can talk about these things all day long. So <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm like, you know, yes, if you have something
0: else you want to share, please, please share it with us before we <laughs> sign off. Cause I, I love it. I love it.
1: No, I mean, I, I, I think I, I, I covered enough. I always tell people, I don't want to overwhelm you with too much, but, um, but yes, I, I think that it's super important to know that, um, any solid, thriving organization is going to be supported or backed by having a strong financial management um, process and having, um, you know, being being fiscally sound. And so, if nothing else, um, the same attention that you give to your mission, make sure that you're also giving that attention to your money management.
0: Yes, yes.
1: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna quote that
0: one. Same attention that you give to your your mission, give to your money manager. Okay. Okay. So one, my final question is expenses for a nonprofit, do you recommend documenting the same way? Should there be extra documentation? I know you mentioned something about like grants and stuff, but let's just, if you could just touch on that really quick.
1: Yeah, so it's a little bit, I would say um, there are a lot of similarities from the fact that you want to make sure that you're, of course, tracking all of your expenses, making sure that they're categorized correctly. But the additional step with nonprofits that you have to make sure that you are considering the class and so whether it is a program admin or fundraising expense, so you want to go the extra step. Um, of making sure that transactions are classified in the appropriate um, the appropriate space. So that also too for budgeting purposes for 990 reasons, um, any user of your financial statements can tell where you're spending, like what area you're spending money in the most or the least. Okay, okay. And then um, do you work
0: with just clients in New York or do you work with clients nationwide?
1: That is the beauty of virtual accounting. So (laughs) I work with clients nationwide. Um, Oddly enough, only two clients, only about two of my clients are actually local. (laughs) Really? Yeah, most are located elsewhere. Elsewhere. Awesome, Mm -hmm. awesome. But with modern technology, you're able to do that and still have a good relationship and service. Absolutely. I mean, now you have Zoom and all these things. I mean, I know people have Zoom fatigue just given the last year, but we've been using these tools prior prior to the pandemic. Right. Oh wow,
0: that's awesome! So, so you've been doing the virtual cloud based even before twenty twenty. Yeah, always I've been. always
1: been. I've always been virtual.
0: Wow, that's awesome! So when when twenty twenty came in, you already knew what to do. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow. Um,
1: the challenge was that was more so working with organizations who had never worked with someone virtual, right? Mm-hmm. So they were. I re- I witnessed or I experienced a lot of hesitation. Um, with wanting to like either move to the cloud or wanting to work with someone who was mainly virtual. So even that, I've realized I've had to do a lot of education on on what it looks like to, you know, engage with like an accounting firm or a consultant that is um, virtual versus um, in-house. And I think too, people don't realize, but this now, this opens you up, whether it's a business organization to more talent, you can increase your talent pool if you are willing to work with remote workers.
0: Right, right. You can. You can, and you find a lot of people are adapting and they like working remotely better than driving into the Yeah, office. it's a
1: new normal. So mm-hmm. the future of work is absolutely changing. And I, I think that you, you definitely, no one is saying that you have to completely move, you know, all your operations remote, but I do think that employers that don't at least adopt a hybrid approach or really tap into um, more of that work-life balance that people are seeking, I, I think that okay. they're going to find that their talent pool is going to be much smaller. Awesome. Awesome well Jermaine I thank you
0: so much this has been so awesome I know we we could sit here and talk about this for forever (laughs) I know (laughs) but we can't so um I have to be respectful of your time I thank you so much um again you guys can follow Jermaine on Instagram at the visionary accountant and I will post all her information um on the link below um, for YouTube and also in my um, Instagram post. And it'll
1: also be on the podcast information when I post it as well, so. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I will get you over that video, of course, so you can share it with your network. Um, and yeah, it was so fun being here. Again, I can talk to these, talk about these things till I'm blue <laughs> in the face. <laughs> awesome. And, and this won't be the last time. I say that with
0: all of my guests. This will not be the last time that you see us together because um, I, I'm, I'm big on connections. I'm big on re- relationships. So I will definitely be reaching back out again, you know, whether it's, you know, a recap or a refresh or you know, something, but we will definitely be getting together again. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you.